0: Jesus made bold claims and the people of his time were trying to figure out who he really was. His claims left them confused and sometimes angry. Through his powerful I am statements, Jesus invites us to gain a fresh perspective and a deeper understanding of who he truly is. Each statement gradually reveals the divinity And character of Jesus as we piece them together we see how knowing him changes everything we know who he is because he said I am I'm excited to be here I think anytime we can gather together as the church it's a powerful thing So as we get going and we jump in, we open up the scriptures. I need you to travel back in time with me. Now, I'm not sure where you were in the fourth grade, but for me, I was at church. That was what our family did. We spent tremendous amount of time at church. And um, we were sitting in our unofficially assigned seatings. We were third row back people on the left. So shout out. Oh, no one's there this service. Last service, we had people there. Third row back on the left side. That was our unassigned seat. And we were there and I had no idea. I thought it was a regular church service and my life was about to be changed forever. As a fourth grader, I got my little LA gears on and my sweatshirt and my shoes are lighting up and I'm just taking everything in and I'm sitting down and the band comes up to lead us in worship. I'm in fourth grade, a little bit of ADD, and I'm just kind of like walking around, sitting there going like, ah, oh, what do I do? Yes, walking and sitting, same time, I could do that. And I'm, I'm just trying to figure out, I'm getting a little agitated, a little nervous, and then the band starts playing. And you wouldn't know this gentleman, he's a legend at Grace Church in Glendora, his name is Larry Rowland. And Larry Roland sat down behind the drums, and he started playing the drums, and and. That's an understatement. Larry didn't play the drums. Larry was the drums. The drums and Larry, like they were together. He just flowed effortlessly around the drum kit. And I just sat there in awe and I went, I have found my purpose in life. I'm gonna be a drummer. And so I don't even remember the rest of the church service. I just remember sitting there staring and just being overwhelmed. And I went, this is my calling. This is my purpose in life. I found it in fourth grade. Unbelievable. So fast forward, the service ends, we're at home and I call a family meeting. And so we all huddle up together and I say, mom, dad, brother, his name, his name's Chris. We circled up and I said, okay, I have an announcement to make. I'm going to be a drummer. And my folks did what every loving parent would do. They immediately went out and bought earplugs. And and when I say I want to be a drummer, um, this is what I had in mind. I'll show you an image. This is what I had in mind when I said I want to be a a drummer. Um, I wanted to do this. Now, I am, I'm explaining everything. I'm casting the vision, and my parents are just so overwhelmed, and my brother's going, you're, you're ridiculous. This is insane. But I want to play the drums. And so my parents, they enrolled me in band. At, at our school, we had band. And so I get in there in band, and, and, and it's me. I'm in the back. There's a couple of us, just a bunch of drummers. We all have our drumsticks, and we're just so nervous because in front of us is this glorious drum set, I mean there's cymbals and drums and just all sorts of doodads and noisemaker things. I didn't even know what this stuff was, I just knew like that photo, I was gonna play the drums, I was gonna go on tour, I was going to see the world, it would be me and a bunch of dudes in a van, we hadn't showered for months, but we were playing and it was awesome. That was the dream. And so we sit in band. This is my first class, and and the the teacher comes out, and he says, okay, are you guys ready to play? We said, yeah. And so each section says, yeah, we're ready to play. We have our instruments. And he says, all right, you, drummers, are you guys ready to play? And I'm like, yeah. And he reaches into a bag, and he pulls out one of these. Now, I don't know if you can see this very well, but this is not a drum set like the one in the photo. This is what's known as a practice practice pad and it is to the shame of every drummer to have to sit down and play the practice pad and i i went home angry that day and i and i'm talking to my mom and dad and i said i want to play the drums i don't want to play the practice pad one of these things is not like the other <laughs> i want the drum set and they're like just stick with it just stick with it and play and so we're doing this we have a couple of classes a band and i'm frustrated man i i am disappointed i was so excited and then I just kind of hit this wall of like, man, I, I want to do, I want to I do that. I want to tour. I, I want to play in front of just crowds, packed out stadiums. This is the dream. I want to become this. I want to be like Larry. I just, this is what I want to do. But I'm sitting over here with a stupid little practice pad and like, this is boring. So my parents do the unthinkable. They hire a private drum tutor for me. And so I'm excited once again, I'm going to play the drums, thinking once, and, once again, this photo, crowds, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to sit down and play all these drums. And my instructor comes to me, he says, all right, take out your practice pad. And I'm dying inside. And he says, I'm going to teach you a couple exercises, and you're going to learn how to do these exercises. And here's the key to these exercises. You are going to practice, and then you're going to practice what you have practiced. And once you keep practicing what you have practiced and practice the practice of the practicing once more, you will eventually become the type of person that just sits down at the drums and effortlessly plays. You don't even have to think about it. You have just become a drummer. And so I get excited again, he says, but you've got to learn the basics. And so together, you and I, we're going to learn the basics. The first exercise that he taught me was one called eight. It's very easy. Take your hands out of your pockets. You'll play on your legs with me. But you do eight with your right hand and eight with your left hand. I'll count you off, but here's the tempo. One, two, ready, go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, stop. Nicely done, all five of you that participated. (laughs) The rest of you, come on. And so that's what we did. And he says, you have to learn how to hold the stick. You have to learn how to bounce the stick on the practice pad, all the things. And I thought, I want to drum. I don't want a practice pad. He says, all right, let's get another exercise. This one is called paradiddles. Can you say paradiddles? Paradiddle. A little more complicated. It goes right, left, right, right, left, right, left, left. And you do two of these in a row. So you go right, left, right, right, left, right, left, left, right, left, right, right, left, right, left, left, left. You with me? We'll go a little bit slower, but everyone's got to participate here because, again, we're training to be rock stars. You didn't know we were going to do this at church on Sunday. We're going to train to go tour the world and play drums. So here's your tempo. I'll count you off. One, two, ready, go. Right, left, right, right, left, right, left, left, right, left, right, right, left, right, left, 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 done. Nice job. Can you go faster? Right here? We'll go here. Here we go. One, two, ready, go. Right, left, right, right, left, right, left, 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 right, left, left, left. done. Nice. Some of you you're like, I don't I don't know what I'm doing. This is the weirdest thing ever. And so I started getting frustrated to begin because you know, those are exercises on a practice pad, and I don't know if you've heard me for the last couple minutes. I wanted to play the drums. And my instructor goes, Steve, you need to become the type of person where you can just sit down and do these exercises, and you can talk and just not even think about it, and you can just go forever and ever and ever. That way, as you're touring, you've become a drummer. You don't have to think about it. It's just muscle memory. It's second nature. And my instructor pointed something out to me that I have since seen in my life in countless areas. He said, Steve, you get really excited in the beginning, then you realize it takes a lot of work, and you plateau, and then you get burnt out. So we have to figure out how to keep you going. Otherwise, you will never move beyond the practice pad and tour the world. And this is a lesson that has stuck with me throughout my entire life. And, and, and I think you can see yourself in this as well. There are things in our lives where we get really excited about, and then we realize, oh no, it takes a tremendous amount of work and then we can plateau, and if we're not careful, we will burn ourselves out and we will be doomed to repeat this cycle over and over and over again. And you know this, we've all done this at some point, if we've made a New Year's resolution. The New Year is coming around and we say, this is my year, 2023, baby, I'm gonna eat right and I'm gonna exercise and I'm gonna lose the pounds. January one rolls around and we're like, it's go time, baby, we've done the meal plan, we know what we're doing, the exercise routine, we're ready to go, and then February hits. And if you have a gym membership, you know that February is the month where it's empty. <laughs> what do we do? We got really excited. We went, oh, no, this is a lot of work. We started a plateau, and then we burnt out. If you've ever dreamed about starting a business and running your own company um, and serving customers and having employees, I mean, dreaming the dream costs nothing. That's the easy part. Building the business, starting the business, getting the resources, making the sales consistently, that is the hard work. And so you dream the dream, and it's beautiful, and then you realize it's work, and work takes effort. And if we're not careful, we can burn out. We can do this in our marriages. We call this the honeymoon season, the honeymoon phase. Everything is perfect. It's beautiful. It's working out just like we thought it would. And then, uh uh-oh, we have an argument. We have a disagreement. We have an issue in our marriage. It's going to take a little bit of work. And if we're not careful, we can then plateau in our marriage. We can settle and burn out and simply go. This is just the way it is. Now, we do this in all these categories, and I think the most dangerous category that we can do this in is in our spiritual life, in our relationship with Jesus. I don't know about you, but I can think back multiple times to to where I had encounters with the Holy Spirit, and I just was so on fire for God. And then somewhere along the lines, I just sort of Burnt out. I became a little bit numb. I just kind of... Well, I quite frankly, I knew enough. I knew the right answers. I knew what I was supposed to do. Um, I knew that Jesus wasn't a big fan of sin, and I should try my best not to go and do those things. But you know, there's this thing called grace and forgiveness and mercy, and so I definitely took advantage of that. And, and if we're not careful, we can plateau. If we're not careful, we can try so hard to live this holy and righteous life that we end up burning ourselves out and we just kind of sit there and go, well, I I don't know. Is it working? And if we're not careful, we start asking the questions about ourselves of going, am I, like, can I do this? Am I the type of person that can follow Jesus? Am I the type of person that can overcome this sin? I mean, I've been struggling with this for years. And so we gotta figure out how in the world to, to get out of this cycle because it will leave us spiritually numb. Church will be something we simply attend and not a gathering of the saints where we worship Jesus. There are two, those are two totally different things. Would you agree? They're two totally different things. So I, I had a buddy, he showed me this diagram. He said, Steve, the thing you're talking about here is this idea of spiritual infants and in the name of people. And I went, what in the world is that? He said, hang with me, I'll show it to you. I'll walk you through it. Spiritual infants... He says, this comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2. This is Paul writing. He says, if I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger, a <laughs> little insulting here at the very end, and you still aren't ready. <laughs> Paul's going, I want to give you the meat and potatoes, baby. I want to give you the good stuff, but we're stuck on formula. You're just not growing in your faith. You're just not ready for your thing. Translation to modern day, you probably believe the right things, but that's about it. Your life hasn't changed. You believe in Jesus, you are saved, but you're not living as a saved person. There's a difference. There's a transformation there, but you're stuck on spiritual infancy. And then he says, in the name of people, and he quoted Colossians, he says, and this is Paul writing again, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Would you agree, whatever you do in word or deed, that pretty much sums up life, doesn't it? Whatever you do, you do it in the name of Jesus Christ. And my friend looked at me and he said, in the name of, it's this idea that that person was doing it. So if you're the messenger of Paul's letter and you bring it to the church and you read it in the name of Paul, it is as if Paul was reading the letter there. So whether in word or deed, in the name of Jesus, it is as if the people we interact with, it's as if Jesus was speaking the word, it was this, as if Jesus was doing the deed. And my friend draws this diagram and he says, there's a progression here. And Steve, I think for you, you stalled out somewhere in the middle, which is dangerous because you know the answers, you know the right things, but you are not on fire for Jesus. And as we're talking about this idea, what we're really wrestling with this morning is this question of how transformed do you wanna be? In other words, how Christ-like do you want your life to be? Because I've learned this about Jesus. He's quite gentle. And if you only want to be saved, he will allow you to only be saved. If you want to be transformed and be the type of person that is a in the name of Jesus person, well, he'll help you get there, but he won't force you. And so this morning, we're gathering here this morning, we're opening up our scriptures, we're worshiping Jesus, we're learning from them, and this morning we're going to figure out how to become the type of people that live our life as if Jesus were living our life. We're going to become in the name of Jesus people. But how do we do this and not burn out? Because that's the important question. How do we do this and not burn out? I'll give you one principle and then we'll dive into our text this morning. Here's how we do this. We train for this. We don't try to become this. There's a difference between training and trying. So training versus trying. Trying requires a plan, and training requires wishful thinking and a bit of luck. You have to train to become Christ-like. You have to train to become spiritually transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. You don't just try. Perfect example of this is a marathon. You don't just wake up in the morning and try to run a marathon, do you? I would love to see that, by the way. That would be amazing. You wouldn't finish. You wouldn't cross the line. You train for it. And you don't train by running a million miles in one day. You train for it by starting with one mile. And then you add a second mile and a third mile, and you just keep going. This is how it works. Don't, don't sit there and say, I, for the very first time, you believe in Jesus, I'm going to pray for an hour straight. No, 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 no. You'll try, but you probably won't make it. What if you trained every day of the week to pray for two minutes? And then you added three and then four minutes and five minutes, and then maybe you worked your way up to that. We have to train for this. Training has incremental steps, right? One minute, two minute, three minutes, four minutes. Trying is all or nothing. It's a pass-fail grade. You either ran the marathon and crossed the finish line, or you didn't do it. Trying requires a coach, or training requires a coach, and trying requires willpower. And how many of you know willpower is never enough? So I'm taking a lot of time in the front to establish this whole scenario where we desire to be the type of people that would live our life the way Jesus would live our life. Meaning, how would Jesus love your spouse? Well, however, he would do that. I, I want to become that. How would Jesus show up at your place of employment? How would Jesus deal with that coworker? Y'all know what I mean by that coworker? Okay, you got some too. Perfect. We're learning to become, in the name of Jesus, Christians. And we don't want to burn out because we're going to get real excited. It's a church service. woo! And then uh, we're going to plateau and then we're going to burn out and we're going to be in this cycle. We don't want to do that. We want to break the cycle. So how do we do that? Great question. Here's the plan. If you got a Bible, go to John 15, John 15. This is the plan. And I'm going to throw a lot at you because it's a plan, but I know you got pins. I saw some on the chairs like we are ready to go. Here's the plan. John 15 verse one. Are you there? If you're there, say ready. Perfect, here we go. This is Jesus talking. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Verse three, you, he's talking to the disciples, you are already clean. You've been purified and pruned because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me. As I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So, what's the game plan for becoming more and more like Jesus? Well, number one in your notes, remaining in Jesus means effortlessly resting in Him, which is what a branch does to the vine. It doesn't work hard to just rest in the vine. It is simply connected to the vine. I like to illustrate it this way. On Sunday mornings, what I love to do during football season, I love to go to church, grab a lunch, sit down on the couch, turn the game on, and fall asleep. (laughs) It takes zero effort for me to fall asleep on a Sunday afternoon. I, I eat food, I turn the game on, I lay down on the couch, and boom, I am gone. I am just out. No effort at all. In fact, I'll probably do it this afternoon. I'm really excited about it. It takes zero effort. I just go home, turn on the game, and boom, I am out. It's the idea of doing the same thing with Jesus. So often we're trying so hard. I need to connect with Jesus. I need to connect with Jesus. Effortlessly resting in Jesus simply means we acknowledge the fact that he is here in this room now. He's here And the danger is that we can go on autopilot, we can sing our songs, listen to announcements, listen to someone open up the Bible and talk about it, and we can miss the Spirit of God. It takes no effort for us to sit in this room and know that Christ is here. You didn't have to jump through a bunch of hoops. By the way, if you're watching this online on a Thursday, God is with you. As you're on your jog, God is with you. It simply means going about your business and knowing that God is here, not jumping through a lot of hoops and doing a lot of um, overcoming hurdles to try and get God into our life. He's already here. So we just effortlessly rest and realize that God is, in fact, here. If you want to become more and more like Jesus, you need to understand that he is here now. And he has something for each and every one of us now. Now. We don't have to wait for it. We just simply have to acknowledge that he is here. Keep going. Verse five. He says this. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear, what's that word? Much fruit. You will bear much fruit. It's a promise. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. What's this idea of bearing fruit? I understand that a tree bears fruit, but what's that look like for a human being? Well, the Apostle Paul picks this up in Galatians, and he talks about what you've probably heard called the fruit of the Spirit. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And wouldn't it be great if your life consisted of those things? I'm convinced more than the American dream and great vacations and nice cars and big homes and you know, zeros in the bank account more than any of those things I'm convinced that's the life we all desire Amen. where consistently throughout our life we experience love here's one for the church joy you ever walk around and you meet people it's usually grumpy old men I've been following the Lord for 55 years and it's been great And I'm like, well, we'll tell your face, (laughs) like, (laughs) smile, let's see some joy, man, come on, but love, joy, peace, patience, I learned it, patience as a kid, a better translation is forbearance, it's a great word, but no one uses it, do you know what forbearance means? Long-suffering, aren't you glad you came to church this morning? The fruit of the spirit, part of becoming like Christ is living a life full of love, joy, peace, and long-suffering. Here's the good news of the gospel. Here's the good news of walking with Jesus Christ. You and I can experience long-suffering, but we can experience it full of love, full of joy, full of peace, full of kindness, goodness. Now, now, hear me out for a second. Isn't that strange? I mean, it, to people who don't know Jesus, didn't grow up in church, to the outside world who doesn't follow Jesus, looking in and watching people experience long-suffering but experiencing it full of joy, full of love, full of gentleness, peace. Well, that, that's noteworthy. There, there's something different about that, isn't it? I mean, you just don't see that every day. And yet, the more and more that I talk with people, and you get past the the surface level conversation, you go a little bit deeper, the more I realize that we are all experiencing long suffering. See, you thought you were the only one. We all have, we all have things that we're suffering with. Now, the degree of that suffering may be different based on our, our individual circumstances, but all of us came in here with some baggage. All of us came in here with some stuff, some wounds in our hearts, some desires, dreams, and hopes, and things we wanted to see happen that haven't happened yet. But if we learn to remain in Jesus, he says you will bear much fruit. Your life of love, of joy, of peace, of enduring long-suffering and having hope. Well, that will be your life. You'll become one of those people. But you can't do that on your own. You can't do that with willpower, can you? You have to do that with Jesus. So number two in your notes, becoming more and more like Christ, we have to remember this. It takes more than willpower and self-discipline to bear fruit. If that's all it took, if it just took willpower and self-discipline, well, we'd be fine, wouldn't we? We would have already arrived. But the problem is, you and I were both inconsistent with our values and with our dreams and standards, aren't we? May I go back to the New Year's resolution? How many of you value health? How many of you had a donut before you came in this morning? I'm just saying, by the way, the donuts were great. I love those. <laughs> One last thing on, on, on this idea of, of remaining in Christ to bear fruit is that um, it takes time to bear fruit. There is a harvest time. There are seasons in life. So you may go the distance and be walking with Jesus and see nothing And if that is you, can I just encourage you, keep going, don't give up. I'm telling you, your season is about to come. You just have to hold on and not give up and keep going. God has something for you. You will bear fruit. The scripture says you will bear much fruit, but you got to keep going. You have to endure the long suffering. And I'm telling you, you will bear fruit. Keep going. Verse number, verse six. He says, if you don't remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and it withers. Such branches are picked up and they're thrown into the fire and they're burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. So how do you become more and more like Christ? Well, number three, remaining in Jesus means learning to pray for what Jesus would pray for. That's a big one because when I was growing up in the church and new to following Jesus, I would pray for the things that I wanted. And I got frustrated that Jesus didn't want the same things that I wanted. Now, I'll be a little, uh, a little vulnerable with you. Um, in, in high school and in college, I prayed certain prayers for the type of woman that I thought would be best for me in my marriage. I'm very, very glad to say that the good Lord did not answer those prayers. <laughs> my wife today is a much better answer to the things that I was praying for. See, I was praying at this level, and God said, no, 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 you don't know what you want. I'm going to get you someone on this level. He, he does that. And as we remain in Jesus, we, we understand that our prayers change, and, and they, become, they become the things that Jesus would pray for. And, and here's a great way to start. You can train yourself to start praying this way. Jesus prayed that, that the Father's will, everything that was going up on heaven, he prayed that it would happen here on earth. And I think that's a great place for us to start. But we have to ask this next question. Lord, I want your will to happen here on earth. What would you like me to do to help that happen? And it's not like God needs our help to make that happen, but he does desire a partnership with us. It's part of our transformation of becoming more and more like Christ. Lord, I want whatever is up in heaven, I want that to be here on earth because wouldn't that be amazing? That'd be phenomenal if all of us were walking around with the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, what a beautiful community to live in, right? but Lord, I also acknowledge that I have a role to play in making that happen. So Jesus, would you show me what that is? Let's keep going. Verse eight, this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So a disciple of Jesus bears fruit. How do you know if you're a disciple? You ought to see the fruit of the spirit pop up somewhere in your life. Then you know you're a disciple of Jesus. Verse nine, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Lastly, number four, remaining in Jesus means doing what he commands. Here's the kicker. Even when it doesn't make sense. Even when it doesn't make sense. You can surround yourself with really wise people. And maybe, maybe it's a, a situation with your job. Maybe it's something in your marriage. Maybe you're, you're struggling to, to raise your kids. And you can surround yourself with wise people who will give you wonderful advice. But if you remain in Jesus, there may come a time when that advice seems right, but it doesn't feel right. And it could be that the Holy Spirit is tugging at your heart going, I need you to trust me on this. I love your kids far more than you do. I'm concerned about providing for you and your family far more than you are. Can you trust me on this? Everyone's saying, go this way. I need you to go this way. And if we are remaining in Jesus, if we are trusting him consistently, that's not a scary situation at all. It's a confidence-boosting situation because I'm so excited, because I've seen God's faithfulness in the past all along the way. I can look in the rear view mirror of life and start connecting all these dots, and I have seen his goodness along the way, and here's just another opportunity for God to prove himself once again in my life. Do you know how you live that instead of just saying that? You train for that. You start really small and say, all right, Lord, I'm going to give you this little part of my life. And and you stand back and you watch what he does with it. And then you learn to offer more of your life to him. And he will continue to bless you and guide you and form you and correct you along the way. So you can become the type of person that goes, God, whatever happens is going to happen. I will be okay. Because I learned a song. It was very true. I learned it when I was a little kid. Um, One of the lines in that song is, he's got the whole world in his hands. Now, that's a beautiful song. It's a phenomenal reality to live in. But you don't try really hard to live in that reality. You train for that. And you give Jesus a small little piece of your life. And then tomorrow, a bigger piece. And a bigger piece. Then you're in a situation where you can trust him and you can carry everything in your life like this. And I'm telling you, you will be amazed at the work that God does. Finish it out, two more verses. Verse 11, I've told you this. I've told you the game plan for spiritual transformation. I've told you how to do it. You remain in me. That's the game plan. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. One more thing about joy. Did you ever think about Jesus and joy? Most people don't. And I always like to ask the question, if Jesus was right behind you looking at you, what expression would be on his face? And I'm here to say, if it's anything but a smile, you got the wrong picture, baby. It is a smile. He is so happy. He's so full of joy. And and listen to the verse. We went fast, but listen to it. Jesus is saying, i told you all this so that my joy, Jesus' joy, the joy of God Almighty might be in you. There's a thought. And not only that, but that your joy may be complete translation you're trying to find joy and safety and happiness and all these other things over here it's not going to be there it's going to be found in Jesus and he goes I told you the key to joy and happiness it's in me it's not in these other things it's only found in me what if we all believed that the word that comes to mind would be um, a life of peace if we really, truly believe that. I heard this great definition of joy. Joy is a pervasive sense of well-being. Wow. Come what may, I will be okay. A pervasive sense of well-being because he's got the whole world in his hands and I am good. I can, I can effortlessly rest in the presence of God because he is in control and I am not and I've been walking with Jesus long enough to realize that he's far better at being in control than I am joy a pervasive sense of well-being regardless of the circumstances around us there's something that the world could use isn't it who's going to show it to him it'll be us It'll be the Christians. Last verse, verse 12. My command is this, that you love each other as I have loved you. How do we love each other unconditionally? Well, we learn to do that. We train to do that by remaining connected with Jesus with every aspect of our lives. That's the game plan, that's how we do this, that's how we don't just try to be Christ-like, but we train so we can become more and more like Christ, so that when we interact with people, friends, family, coworkers, it's as if they're interacting with Jesus himself, because we've been transformed and walking in his image and we are loving the world the way that Jesus loved the world. Now it's a great plan and it works in theory, but how do we actually like apply this to our life and become those types of people? Well, like drumming, there's a rhythm to life and we have to figure out how to do this. There's a million different plans out there. I'd like to suggest this one. There's a lot of really good ones. This one's been beneficial to me, but we have to create a life for us, a rhythm for us where we're constantly reminded that once again, God is here. We don't have to go far. He's here. He's here and he wants to be found by us. And so I suggest a couple rhythms that you could set up in your life. The first one is a daily rhythm. Maybe if you're a morning person that's waking up in the morning, opening up your Bible, drinking a cup of coffee and just praying and just acknowledging that God, you are here. What would you have me do today? If you're not a morning person like I am, um, I suggest lunch. Lunch is great. Uh, In North North County, Pastor Kurt is a morning guy. He wakes up at four o'clock in the morning. And he doesn't just wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning like he's ready to go. Like, here we go, time to seize the day. And we just we have so much fun just teasing and making fun of each other because there's no way I'm waking up at 4 o'clock in the morning. But if you want to meet with me and have a good time, lunch is where it's at, my friends. So what do I do at lunch? I open up my Bible and say, God, whew, we made it to lunch. What would you have me go back and fix? And then what would you have me do for the rest of the day? Two simple questions that I ask myself on a daily routine, acknowledging that God is here and he has something for me. Weekly. Now, this is built into life. If you're a Christian and you're going to church, whether you're watching it online, you're here in the building or or, or whatever the case, but weekly, like what a great rhythm where once a week we come come together and we worship God and realize that he's God and we are not. Amen? Amen. That's a beautiful truth. We're constantly reminded of that. And if he's God, that means he's in control and I'm not. So then I submit once again to God and say, What would you have me do for today? This is why small groups are a great idea because quite frankly, quite excuse me, slow down, Steve. Quite frankly, an hour on a Sunday morning is not enough for me. I need to meet with a group of Christians where we can come together and, and we can open up the scriptures. We can encourage one another. We can challenge one another. I've been confused. There's a lot of confusing things in the Bible. I can bounce those things off of other Christians that go, ah, I've been there, I've wrestled with that, let me help you along the way. And when we do that, we can see the hand of God throughout not only our life, but the life of other people. And monthly, what would it look like in your calendar if monthly you just set aside a couple hours and you just look back over your calendar and you went, there was God. Where else did he show up? He showed up on that meeting on Tuesday that I was dreading. That difficult conversation with my kids that I was avoiding, that I needed to have, and I prayed for peace. Well, I, he showed up there. It, it was peaceful. And, and you just take a moment. You're not rushed through this. You you take a moment and you sit there and say, every month, twelve times a year, I'm going to say, what did God do this month? How here's the question: How has He blessed me? Where did I experience love, joy, peace? And and, and and you just mark it. And I'm telling you, if you do this every month, you just start stacking things up and realize that God is far more involved in our lives than we tend to think he is. He's invested. And yearly, I I, I don't do a good job with this, but I want to with with our family. I would love to take like a weekend or maybe even a whole day and and just acknowledge the past year. And at the end of 2023, look back and say, whoa, there was God's hand. There was God's hand. We were struggling. We were struggling. and, And God introduced this couple into our lives that helped us along the way. Take whatever it is, your category of life that you're struggling with, whatever that forbearance, that long suffering, use that. And then look back over your calendar year and go, God was there, he was there, he was there. I thought he wasn't there, but turns out he sure was. Do do you know what that will do to your confidence muscle in Jesus? I mean, you're going to grow exponentially in your trust in Jesus. So whatever happens in life, come what may, you will be okay. Okay, all because Jesus says, I am the vine, I am the life source, you get attached to me. Stop trying to bear fruit on your own. It doesn't work that way. You must remain in me. Now, I want to close by this. The reality is, for many of us, we have given portions of ourselves to Christ. We remain 35% of our life, 75% of our life in Christ. Many of us, we have given Jesus most of the things in our life, but we like to hold on to a couple things over here. Maybe it's a couple um, sin issues or a couple addictions. Maybe for you, um, you thought Jesus was going to do one thing, and he did the opposite, and there's a wound there. There's a hurt. There's a, I don't know that I can trust him with this. I can trust Jesus here, but, but not here. It hurts too much. And if that's you today, I want to encourage you and give you an opportunity to just release that so all of you can remain. The church word for this is abide in Christ. So I'm going to close in prayer and ask that you would just put your hands out like this. Representing that thing, that area in life that you have not given over to Jesus. And we're going to release it in a moment. So Lord, we come before you and acknowledge that you are God and we are not. And that we can trust you, but sometimes we struggle. Especially in the areas of life that our closed fists represent. And so, Father, help us to be the type of people that trust you with everything. And so, as a symbolic act of giving it over to you, surrendering it to you, we open our hands. We release it. And we give it to you and say, Jesus, would you help transform us? We want to be the type of people that bear fruit. And Father, I'm convinced when all of us, each and every one of us, we start bearing fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, the world will notice. And they will be so curious and there will be something in our lives that those people do not have in their lives. And Father, would you give us the honor and the blessing to be able to, do, to introduce other people to your son, Jesus. And, and watch those people learn to trust you with all of the areas of their life. I pray, Lord, that we would be transformed. It would start with the people in this building and the people online, and it would go throughout our families, throughout our workplaces, in our community, throughout our county, and throughout the world. But, Father, may it start here this morning because a group of people gathered in your name to become the, the type of people that live in your name so that we could help transform the world. We pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And the church said, amen. amen.